so weird it's strange these are like shower thoughts aren't they it's like, like why? why is it like that it's, it's gonna keep me up tonight <laughs> welcome back to been there done chat i'm here today with sam furrow how are you i'm okay i'm okay how are you i'm all right thank you you messaged me about what was it just before christmas and you wanted to be on my podcast and we thought that we'd talk today about phenomenology am i pronouncing it right yes yes yeah, okay if I'm right in saying you did your dissertation on this at university, didn't you? I did, I did. What did you study at uni? Architecture. Oh, architecture. Yeah, so it's a weird one because the dissertation is kind of disconnected from the course. It's like you can really do it about anything if you loosely connect it to design. Okay. Yeah, um, phenomenology is the one I chose. Are you able to give like a really simple definition for phenomenology for people who don't know what it is because i'm not gonna lie before you told me about it i didn't actually have much idea about what it was um i would say it's kind of a complex kind of just because of how counterintuitive it is for like someone that doesn't have like eastern views or like eastern philosophy or like experience with that the idea that lived experience is different from objective reality and objective reality is kind of like the scientific base that western society has so like i mean it's a bad example but like it's sunny in the day and it's light outside and it gets dark at night and like kind of ideas of time how you experience the world so like you're supposed to get up at a certain time it's it's normal for you to get up when it's sunny and things like that but what phenomenology kind of challenges is there are instances where objective reality isn't matched by your experience of it i have some examples i mean a well-known one is like placebo the idea that you give a patient a medication and you tell them that it's that but actually well in some cases they they like heal back to like normality and it's kind of that shouldn't happen in objective reality it's like a weird just like reality itself just doesn't it doesn't add up and things like um, time when you experience time uh, what a common one is like when you grow older time seems to speed up but it actually mm -hmm. you know it doesn't but it feels like that and then experiences of like happiness when like time the saying that like time flies when you're having fun yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. Like, okay. After you told me about it, I did a little bit of research, and my understanding was literally just that it's a study of lived experience, and I didn't really know like what exactly that meant. Like, it's such a small little definition. Yeah, it's really vague as well. Like, because that could be literally like anything. It's not about changing like objective reality isn't true, because that often that's what happens, and then people kind of reject it and go like, oh, it's just you know it doesn't make sense. Mm. There's no point even looking at it because objective reality is the real the real deal. The, the real reality but when you really think about it and like these weird things like with memories and things like that it doesn't like there's certain points in time where reality doesn't isn't what you're experiencing it's something something different something slightly it's hard to explain sometimes but it, it's just there and you know it's there right i mean you briefly mentioned that it's to do with you know eastern philosophy so how is that linked to western and how is it different and from my understanding i think it's kind of rejected by the west as well so why is that like phenomenology is kind of a study that's labeled as like a like a pseudoscience but it's not like um you know it has bad connotations but it doesn't mean that you should adopt phenomenology instead of science or mm. something like that i i think they should be like kind of combined to like accommodate especially in something like design phenomenology kind of focuses reality based on the self so like whatever you experience that is what reality is but in western society uh like kind of objective scientific it doesn't matter what you experience there's kind of you know there's like rules laws of physics 
things mm-hmm. like that you might be feeling a certain way but that's just that's not it has no basis whatsoever phenomenology kind of validates it it doesn't say that your experience is true but it's saying that it has value and there's a reason why you kind of feel that way obviously there's a bit of a clash between objective realities just you know people it's it's really easy to go, well, it's objective, so therefore, that's the only truth, and there's no other way anything could, like, exist. The thing is, experience itself is subjective, so, in a way, objective, the objective is dictated by a scientist's subjective observation of something, like he says, gravity, or, or something like that, you know, he drops something, he sees that, I mean, it's really hard to, like, it sounds like it doesn't make any sense, but the the I think I'm kind of getting it. I'm kind of getting yeah. it. The scientist is seeing this this ball drop. He's observing it, and subjectively, he now believes that this objective thing is real. And therefore, right. there is ways they do kind of relate. But because I mean, you're taught as a child, like all the way that science is the only truth. I mean, it doesn't even get brought up. Something like deja vu or something like that. Right. Like, I mean, maybe it has been explained. I'm not sure. But from what I've seen, it hasn't really, it's really hard to explain, but it all connects down to like memories. The experience itself is kind of connected to how you behave and things like that. There's so many like different examples in all sorts of different areas. Yeah, I like, was going to ask you, like, what are some experiences where, like you mentioned, objective reality and subjective experiences seem to disassociate? Obviously, you yeah. mentioned the placebo effect. Do you have any other examples? The time one as well, where like Mm. time seems to speed up and slow down depending on like whether you're like stressed or like you're just enjoying and like kind of not keeping track but or if you're bored it goes really slowly yeah exactly exactly other ones where it's like have you ever seen the fireplace where it's a screen and it has a fire yeah it makes people feel warm anyway even though it's not actually that's low-key tying into like placebo effect a little bit isn't it yeah. So, for example, with the you know the drugs example in medicines, uh, in placebo effects, people don't know they get given one group get given medication with the actual active ingredient inside, which actually helps you feel better or pain relief, whatever. And then the other group doesn't get it. Um, and sometimes they find that the people who actually don't have the active ingredient to make themselves feel better, they actually do feel better. So, is, does it kind of link into the power of the mind phenomenology? Kind of, yeah. There's a whole like connection to it that phenomenology kind of combines experience, but also the memories. Like mm. memories kind of have this power about them. In architecture, there's have you heard of liminal space? And it kind of got big on the internet like a year ago or something. There's a whole thing like the back rooms and things like that. These like in architectural terms is like a space which is transitional. So like a corridor or like a staircase. Something that you wouldn't really think about is kind of just like a space between two destinations. Like you want to get to a different room or like things like that. And normally they're quite vacant. There's like nothing in them. Has a foggy memory of people's minds. Cause like even the instance of like traveling, like going on holiday somewhere, like traveling somewhere like by car and you see all these like houses pass by mm. that always seem similar and like they always pass by and it's always like a blur and then people get presented with these spaces like um a really big i'd say famous but like um it's a photo of uh, an office space that's been like abandoned i think i do know about this for example there'll be like everyone in the uk has experienced this and it will show like a garage area that everyone has seen before yeah yeah right, exactly I see. but it has like kind of a creepy like yeah it's really creepy like normally the photos like it feels abandoned or like yeah empty. you have like a connection to it even though you've never really seen it 
it. What is your, that? So like in your memory, it like connects these images. Going on holiday, you go to a destination. Like the, there's one where it's like a suburbia, like a row of houses, like standard looking houses. There's nobody in the photos. It doesn't feel like there's an atmosphere or anything. I don't know, it has an aura about it that you, you are connected to this space but you know you've never been there but it feels mm. like a dream so kind of like a dream like also a nightmare because it feels like isolating it's so but weird there's a photo i think it's ai generated or something right i guess it has it's been sent a bunch of images of like things that people would be familiar with everyday objects where it's blended them in such a way that really hard to describe like it kind of looks like things that you've seen but yeah. not really it feels like you're an alien in your own sort of world it feels like these objects are human but you have no idea what they are or what they're even used for a whole like alienating idea it's really creepy i think also like i think what i find most creepy is the fact that so for example you'll see tiktoks about it so like some yeah. photos or memories that seem really familiar every and then they'll have like the compilation whether it's like a school playground or a garage or a park mm. whatever it is that everybody seems to associate with and it's the fact that in the comments everyone's always like like i've experienced exactly this why is everybody all over the uk experienced the same thing it's so yeah, weird it's really weird why is that is it like literally just as simple as things are built extremely similarly everywhere in the uk or is it's just that everyone has experienced it's not not one person i don't think it i don't think it is i think it's connected more to like vague memories that people have of like there's like a lot of them are like childhood there's loads of like corridors of kind of like a holiday resort yeah or like a weird like play gym like indoor play gym yeah like you said some of them are just like parks or something when i look at those photos I remember it specifically, like you said, with the memory thing, to one specific area, one specific time that I have never seen anywhere else. So I'm like, how do other people... Like, I know that, for example, where I used to live over 10 years ago, I always see the same, like, garage photo, right? Yeah. Um, on TikTok and the, in these sorts of compilations. And then I associate it solely with that one. I've never seen it anywhere else, really, at all. And it's the fact that everyone in the comments is saying that they've experienced the same thing. It's so weird. Or they've seen exactly yeah, the same thing. Really hard to explain, but, like, it's really creepy because, like, even some of them don't really recognise them, but I can connect a memory to them. But, yeah. Like, that, you get that as well you get that as well yeah. you feel like you've never been there but sometimes you have some sort of recollection re recollection or something really vague yeah. memory why why do the west not really like phenomenology or the idea of it i guess it's just really hard to understand when early on you've been instilled that bit there are a certain set of things that are true right and like if you i guess there's not a lot of spiritualism it's like stuff like that some like, more science really, in the West. It's seen like it's seen as like lesser to science. It's just like you know it shouldn't even be considered mm. at all. Some of these things do have effects. I mean, I'm not saying it's like a replacement or like anything like that, but some of these things do have. I mean, it connects with enough people that it must it yeah. must have something. Something's true about it, but it's just disregarded because it's so like different from what people are taught in like Western society. It's not really much about. It's not like a spiritualism class or anything like that. So then, what's the link between phenomenology and philosophy? Because obviously, we learn a lot about philosophy in the West. A lot of my friends have actually done philosophy degrees and stuff. So I'm just like, what's the difference between those two? Then isn't it not like a chain of philosophy? In a way. I guess it, it, in a way, I guess it is. Yeah, I guess it would be. I guess it is a philosophy because it's kind of like a, a perspective on life and like how you should perceive the world as yeah. instead of being just objective. Maybe these experiences you have are actually true. Instead oh, of I saying, see. Yeah, it's not saying that it's true. It's just yeah. saying that these things are happening and there is some sort of there's some sort of connection between experience reality. I mean, people experience everything 
sort of differently based mm. on like past experiences anyway so people experience like music differently and like uh like some people feel like a certain type of music might be awful because like i mean they're so used to like like sort of like soft like melodic music and then mm. played them like a heavy metal song and they're like oh but like that is completely so it's to do with what you're used to what you've experienced yeah in a way yeah because it's, it's like completely lot- different to what you're used to yeah yeah exactly it's like it ties into like sort of change and the idea of things just not feeling right from what you've been told sort of thing but not in a way that that it's like denying it it's just saying that these things are happening it happens to everyone like all these things kind of happen to everybody what kind of got you interested in phenomenology in the first place because obviously you did an architecture degree which is very stem very physics very creative well uh, one of my lecturers he's an anthropologist so he's not really an architect but he studies like um, people and how they move and like things like that so it's kind of related in that's a way. really interesting as well he went to like japan and south korea and stuff and oh, just amazing saw how people like something really basic is like how they ate the way the restaurants are laid out so you'd have um displays and like they just people just sit down on a bench and then just start literally pointing out it like pop out and then just eat it and go straight away there's not really any like it's just like so different the, the culture it's a culture thing, thing right yeah it's just like how different that is and things like that. It's like going on about how the architecture kind of influences people to start sort of work in a certain way. So, I mean, I, I feel a lot is when you're in a shopping center, and you're walking around, you're having a look around and there's always a shop that's like, it's either really bare or there's no one in there. There's not many displays, but there's something deep down where it's like, you don't really want to go in there, even though like, it's no different from any of the other shops. It's just like, it feels wrong to go in there. It feels right, like you I shouldn't see. go in. Like the weird energy, the yeah, weird vibe. Yeah, there's like tangible and untangible like elements of architecture. Untangible things are like stuff like that, like the vibe or like the energy sort of of a space there's nothing like scientific about it it's just like the way that you react to a space so like a big open space like white walls completely like just open it feels wrong even like you physically feel like colder like just looking at it like you're not mm. even in there and, like you look at a big open space like that and you just feel colder you feel a bit exposed like the fact that a room can make you feel like that is just i just find that really interesting mm. and then phenomenology kind of connects these things so it, like patch it's like a patchwork explanation of like how or like why you feel that certain way for example there's a guy called daniel miller he did an analysis of his childhood home so he went back to his mum's house he slept as a, in the attic as a child and um he just described just little things like going up the stairs to the attic he felt completely different from going up any other stairs like everything like the walls felt larger than normal and like the the steps felt harder to climb up just because of his like past experience of how i, I don't know i don't know if it was like a, a baby climbing up those stairs but like it, it just felt a lot harder to climb stairs because i mean obviously they felt taller and like seeing up like the ceiling felt much further away and like rooms felt like larger space everywhere he kind of felt that i mean obviously he wasn't struggling up the stairs but he just kind of felt deep down that it just felt a bit harder to like climb these stairs and like things like that do you know it's really funny that you say that because i moved away from an area that i used to live in about 10 years ago maybe more more than that and we kind of we go back sometimes just to see like old friends and old family friends and things like that and there was a huge a4 right in front of my flats that i used to live in and there was a huge front lawn huge back garden and everything and i used to always like hang out in there and play with all my friends and stuff like that and i remember the a4 being this huge road like this huge huge thing and then I think it was literally just about a year ago we went back to one of our favorite restaurants me and my family and 
we were talking in the car and I was telling my dad, I was like, you know, this A4 that we're driving down, it's tiny. So I felt the opposite to Daniel. It, it felt tiny. I was like, dad, this is so weird. Cause when I was younger, this felt like the biggest thing in the world. Even when I was, when we drove past like our old flats and everything, the grass outside seemed so much smaller. There was a huge staircase to get out to the main road into our flat and whatever. And those seemed tiny. And when I was younger, that looked like the grand staircase and like the grass looked really huge and the A4 yeah, was yeah. huge. But when I went back as like the age that I am now, it felt tiny. So I'm just, I'm trying to think like, and, I, and my dad said he had had something similar to that. Like he was talking about when he visited his childhood home after 20 years or whatever, things felt way smaller than what he remembered. So obviously that kind of low-key makes sense because, you know, when you're younger, you're physically smaller. Yeah. So things are bigger. It was like ridiculous how much smaller everything yeah, felt. Yeah, than normal. Like. The thing is, the last time I was there and lived there, I was about 11, maybe just turning 12. I'd only grown about two or three inches more like not even that much like I was quite tall 11 year old so I'm just trying to think like why did Daniel Miller feel the opposite like when he went back to his childhood home why did he think that everything seemed a bit bigger it's strange because he, he never mentioned anything else like that he, he only mentioned that on the stairs he said all the rooms felt smaller but like the staircase the I, guess he asked, like, I can't really explain how why he felt like that but maybe the whole idea of uh, I don't know maybe his perspective like him looking up seeing getting the same angle again I don't I don't. it's really hard to like yeah because it's one location isn't it have you ever yeah. experienced anything like that i'd play like a game when i was young like a video game and then like i'd come back to it and it looks so much worse and like when i pictured it when i was young i, I thought it was like photorealistic and i was like whoa this is crazy and then i, I see I back now and it's like cute people everywhere and like <laughs> look awful I was like, I don't even know how I believe that this looks so realistic. Is that because you're exposed to more, like, obviously everything's in, like, 4K, high definition. You've got FIFA looks ridiculously real now. Those things back in the day, when I was a kid, I thought mm. they looked as good as what FIFA looks like. When YouTube was just 360p, you look back at it now and you're like, this is horrendous. <laughs> but at the time, we didn't think that, did we? It's because we weren't exposed no, to the newer, better. The fact that you thought it already looked like that, though. And then you yeah, look back and it doesn't look like that. So weird. It's strange. These are like shower thoughts, aren't they? It's like, like why? why is it like that? It's, it's going to keep me up tonight. I'm not going to be able to sleep. Yeah. Maybe it's just you connecting bias towards like uh, thinking about positive memories and only remembering them. Like only really remembering the positive ones. Like obviously there's negative ones, but you tend to remember positive ones more because I mean, if you just remembered negative thoughts all the time, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be the happiest person. You probably no. wouldn't outside and stuff like that but like yeah like nostalgia and things like that it kind of puts these like rose tinted glasses on everything like everything feels better than it actually was like it wasn't actually that good is it because you're but, focusing on it a lot i don't know it's like the same thing because like you'd have like nostalgia for like 360p videos <laughs> You'd be like, wow, wow this, is, <laughs> this is the stuff. You always remember it as better than it actually was. Why is that? That is strange. This is like in like every aspect. I mean, like visually and like music. Music sounds sort of so much better back in the day. It sounds so much better. <laughs> Doesn't though? Like it sounds. Do you know what I think? I think it does. You think music sounds better? No. Yeah. Oh, so. you mean the quality, not the actual songs? Oh well, I don't know. If we're talking about like pop music, then I guess yeah. It's just like every aspect is kind of like this brightened up. Like it's kind of got like a makeover. Like this. Yeah. Weird, like hazy memory makeover. You just make it better than it actually is. Is there instances where we think back to things, but it was actually better than what it is now? The, I mean, like the River thing. Thames, probably. The River Thames was probably blue at one point, and that was great. Anyway, that's true, yeah, but like, <laughs> <laughs> no one really has a memory of when the Thames was blue. No, no. 
Maybe some people do have memories when it was blue when they were a kid, but it was never no. blue. In your notes that you sent me, you, you mentioned about nemesis human experience versus science. So first of all, what is nemesis human experience? And then what is it in relation to being against science? Phenomenology is kind of like a, it's kind of a study of human experience, but it opposes, opposes science, like kind of, in a way that it talks about the warping of science through experience. So like, mm. uh, I mean, even in science, itself there's an example called this is a massive tangent but uh there's a thing called the observer effect i mean this is like full-on physics this is like uh go for it in normal physics you have particles and waves but in quantum physics they're kind of the same thing so there was a the double slit experiment i don't know if you've know you know what it is but basically these these scientists they put um, a beam that shot electrons at a, a double grate and so they had two slits in it so they project the electron pattern another screen behind it basically they shoot the electrons through and what the scientists thought was that the electrons would just go through the gaps and it'll just make two lines on the thing what actually happened is kind of an interference pattern which is like the kind of like streaks came along that kind of fade as you go outwards so it's a sign of refraction so like um, at the actual like slits the electron kind of turns into a wave and expands outwards and the actual like the bright streaks are when these two bubbles of waves kind of cross each other the scientists were like this doesn't make any sense because electrons are particles and they don't really behave like that so they thought that maybe the electrons were bouncing off each other kind of making this pattern just because they keep hitting each other and then all hitting at the same point so they decided to like look at the the slits to see where the electrons went when they hit the double slit what happened was when they were looking at it interference pattern disappeared and it was what they were thinking the whole time it was just like two slits just two slits being shown where the electrons just pass through but then when they look away from the actual like the slit it turns into an interference pattern again I have no idea what is happening there, but that is really weird. The fact that perspective has completely changed the outcome of like where these particles and waves are going just blew my mind. I was like, that that is insane that because of the way someone is looking, the outcome of an experiment is completely different. So what's that? experiments relation to phenomenology? This basis of uh, perspective warping what reality actually is i mean it's very loose but it's kind of like an example of an experiment that's kind of shown that perspective really changes like how reality is actually seen it's just like the idea of that just kind of opens all these doors of like whether lived experience actually has merit in science itself right like it's so hard to like understand why that even exists or like why that actually happens the nemesis of human experience and science is just like the idea that human experience is subjective everyone has a different experience so it's kind of seen as like an enemy it's seen as like an opposition to like science itself like the science no matter who you are is just there's one answer facts everyone has the same answer like how varied everyone's like experiences it's just kind of it's varied but there's similarities like i mean an example is like the way people worship gods was so similar even though they didn't interact with anyone like all the like aztec and like ancient egypt and things like that they all worship gods like very similarly even though they never 
interactive with each other science on its own can't really explain things like that no. it's kind of because i mean the environments were completely different like i mean yeah. one was in the desert one was in like a rainforest like oh exactly i mean i guess they both had a giant ball in the sky but i mean there's no indication that like every society just suddenly starts worshiping this big ball there was an experiment i saw i can't remember who did it but scientists and he talked to this this woman about um a holiday that she went on for a birthday she was like middle-aged and uh, this birthday was about she was about five this scientist would ask her about this this like holiday birthday firstly she said um i'm not really sure i can't remember anything so the scientist guy says oh no well i remember evidently this must have happened and he went oh you definitely like tripped over and knocked uh not to drink all over your mum's dress and uh, she was very angry and she was like oh well I'm not sure that happened I don't really know the experiment ended there and then two days later they came back and um, he asked her the same question again she made a memory about how she she was like oh I don't really remember but I remember something about falling and making a mess they kind of impl- like implanted this memory this like false memory in her head Oh my just god! By, just by saying with enough like vigor and enough like believability, like you, you have enough confidence and you say that her memory was so vague and like foggy that it can't. She just kind of associated the two as like being real and like actually happened. That's so. That's like some weird version of like reverse psychology. Yeah, I, I think that's what these images kind of do as well. Like they kind of like have a vague memory and then this image is just shown to you. It's clear. It's clear. Oh well, I must have had some memories there even you might not have even had any memories maybe you just passed it but Mm. like even then you might ruin yourself like playing there or doing more than just like seeing it somewhere so does that kind of link into like you know the mandala effect the mandala effects yeah yeah that that, that's another one where it's like it's kind of like a collective there was i mean there was another one i saw I don't remember the names of any of these because I kind of like I suddenly like had a psychology craze and just went through a lot of experiments <laughs> and stuff. So there was a, a scientist that acted as a teacher. There was a room of about like five students and four of them were actors and then one was not like I had no idea this was going on. It was about like lengths of light. So they asked questions. It was like four lines on the screen. The first like three answers, everyone picked the right one. The next one was the largest line. Like the four actors didn't pick it. They they picked one that was obviously wrong. 75% of people just agreed with everyone else, even though they clearly knew it was wrong. They were just like, okay, yeah, that's probably the right answer. Oh my and like God. the thing is, like the percentage of people like the larger the group of people that chose the wrong answer and waited for this one person that wasn't in on it, like the more likely they are to just say the wrong answer just to fit in, even though they know it's wrong. Oh, okay, so they're not like brainwashed. They just they no, just... they're just pressured into like yeah. this, everyone believes that. But then That's... this is kind of like the Mandela kind of combines those two experiments of like implanting a false memory and then like this idea of being an outsider is not really what you want. One that I was like blown away out it's like looney tunes yeah 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 pokemon's tail or in monopoly the, if he's got monocle, tail. yeah you don't have enough people with these false memories that people that believe that this maybe they know mm-hmm. <laughs> they know that monopoly doesn't have a monocle or whatever but enough people go well he does that they just kind of agree anyway and then that plants like this false memory and like but sometimes kind of, even even if you're shown individually like maybe if like you let's say you're in a room by yourself and somebody's showing you you know the pokemon and you look at the photo and no one else is there so you're not getting that impact from anyone else or a peer pressure and then you get shown the real one you're still going to be equally as shocked yeah that might be because like 
maybe you've seen like i don't know drawings a vague memory it. like it's a vague yeah, yeah it's yeah. vague but it's like you're not really sure but you're not going to focus on the little tail are you so no, like, no yeah. exactly it's like memories in general is just so like crazy because like i mean like we said before with nostalgia they can be like manipulated not just by someone else but by yourself the thing is though then that becomes like real because that's all you remember and that's just what actually happened that's reality i mean i don't know if that's specifically phenomenology or that's something else you know you can remember something completely different from what actually happened but that's mm-hmm. real to you like if you were the last survivor of something or like you were the only person to experience this one thing that's all that anybody has to go off does that then become science because i mean you are the only one that saw someone's perception that might be warped by phenomenology or whatever yeah, and then everybody believes it. Michael Jackson, in one of his interviews, he said something like, if you hear a lie enough, if you hear it as, like enough times or whatever, you start to believe it. It's like your mind is like a bit of clear that you can just morph into whatever you believe, really. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing of like, um, like Jim Carrey carried around like a, a check of like a million dollars or something, and then he eventually got it just because he, I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh, Manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 powerful the mind actually is it's crazy you know. isn't it it's it's powerful but like it's so it can be so easily like molded into something else by like anything you can read something and suddenly like like it could change your whole perspective and your mind completely changes. it's crazy but it's a bit scary as well because sometimes you do you have intrusive thoughts i get them yeah some, i'm yeah. just like oh my god don't act on that the power of the mind the power of the mind like what's going on <laughs> why well, i just try to push them away in my head you sent me your dissertation and it was titled The Self-Reflection of Collectional Portrait. So obviously you did an architecture degree. What, what, did, what, did, what do you mean by that title? What did you actually do in your dissertation? Like, what did you write about? Uh, uh, I had a skim. I had a skim. You had a skim. Okay. Because yes. I tried to get my parents to read it and they just didn't know. Did they not? <laughs> do, you want me, do you want me to link it in the description? If people want to know. Yeah, read. if you want to. Are you yeah, sure? Okay, I'll, I'll link it in the description if anyone's interested. But don't plagiarise, all right? Do not plagiarize. Sam Farrow uh, like worked very hard on that as well. Uh, for a long time, I started collecting like a memory box. It just had a load of different items. I mean, it's barely related to uh, the built environment, but I kind of connected it in a way that this uh, box was kind of my built environment of myself that I wanted to project to others. So, like, the idea was, um, I've ha- I have a box. I have a collection of things throughout my life. And there must be a reason why I've picked those items and why I have like them in a certain order, why some of them are taken care of and some of them are just like, for example, I have a bunch of like concert tickets that I must have just like sweated all over and they've all, all the ink's gone, <laughs> but I still have them. It makes no sense why I have them. I just still have them. Like there's also some little like bits of paper and like stuff that really has no value, but I have anyway. The paper kind of goes over this idea that the, my collection of things is acts as a portrait of myself and it's kind of me it's not it's not me that, the thing is it's not me it's it's the idea that i have of me that i want the me i want me to be is the portrait that i've painted so i have items of stuff that like gives me negative emotions or like things that are boring like things that you know makes people just go to sleep like people you know, I don't have one for why this morning and like <laughs> every day events that I want to remember. But I also want people to see me by. How you want to be portrayed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Alfred, Alfred Gell, Alfred Gell is uh, this anthropologist and um, he, 
he opened this first, like the first ever exhibition like gal- at a gallery it was about traps and uh, there was a lot of backlash because um, traps are closer to artifacts than they are art but he argued that artifacts don't actually exist because the point of art is to express like either a culture or the person itself or a landscape or you know to express to give information to someone that of a different perspective mm. and these traps kind of give you information, give you perspective on these, like, primitive... There was one that I saw that was... I mean, it was really weird. Like, it was all sorts of, like, exotic animal traps, and I was like, I'd never even... There was, like, a giraffe one, and, like, it just had two slots for its legs, and it just walk, and it gets legs trapped, and that was it, and it just stayed there, and, like... <laughs> but, the, like, it told you the relationship between, like, different types of animals and people. Like, it told you, like, which animals they like treated with more respect which animals they'd keep for like eating or keep for like decoration or things like that and like which animals like represent different like values and people so like i don't know i imagine like a lion's head would probably emote like power and like wealth and things like that yeah he argued that how how do artifacts exist if art exists because they're the they're just the same thing i mm. mean it's just they're just like i guess I don't know, dug up or like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, to be fair, there's not really a difference. When he explains it, there's not, artifacts don't actually exist in the same way that art exists. Daniel Miller, again, he, he described his house as kind of a museum, like a, a museum of his family and like how they lived. He's not talking about how like he'd clean the house, you know, you clean up the house to, you know, make everyone, you know, you want to present the good self, not the, the real you that is just messy and leaves just stuff everywhere and like but that tells you more like going into someone's house that's just a mess like off off guard just going to someone's house and seeing all this stuff everywhere you kind of get a better idea of who they are and like like just seeing out how clothes are arranged and yeah we talk about portraits like even portraits on the wall this gives it more of a gallery feel you know you mm. see like like what people like and like you know, sometimes you get photos of people and things like that. You get family history. There's a whole, there's a whole other thing. There's an image of uh, by uh, Sarah Wigglesworth. <laughs> it's a like an iterate, iterative sketch where you just draw like every five seconds you draw the scene, and it was like a a plan view, so you like a bird's eye view of a, a dining table, <clears throat> and like it showed like how the chairs moved and like how people behave through eating. Like you could tell who was messy. You could tell who was closer with each other by how the chairs like swiveled around like certain chairs move closer to each other mm. and things like that it, it just brings more questions into like what art actually is like surely a dining table that's been left like right after people finish eating that is kind of a piece of art because it tells you like history it tells you like relationships with people and like people's behavior patterns and things like that i basically connected that to my memory box as being like kind of a a piece of art but in a way it's like a piece of art in the way that like um greek sculptures are a piece of art like it's kind of like this idealized version of people like these like these people with like massive abs and things like that you know people i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people may have looked like that in ancient greece but i imagine everyone didn't look like a like a god but um, <laughs> it was like a pen uh the painter's intent is like his idealized version of his reality is not actually what he's living like I mean, it gives that idea of nostalgia and everything again, and like this kind of, you have rose tinted glasses on like everything that you kind of look on, especially if you're trying to present to someone that doesn't 
you know, isn't in your environment, you know, mm. someone that doesn't live with you, you know, you, you dress up and you like things like that. This idea of the environment kind of affecting you as well as you infect, like affecting the environment. Like, so in my dissertation, um, I'd have my box, I'd move it like into different rooms of my like, uh, uni house. So like, I'd have my, my friends like all come around and some guests in like the living room and stuff. Like I bring the box in, but I'd notice how I'd like take certain things out or like rearrange it so that like certain things are hidden. Like depending on who's looking at it and like the situation, like it feels like if I was in the kitchen or something, I don't know, it doesn't feel like the right place to suddenly bring out some like, yeah, something about like my art teacher or something. I think I had like some sort of crown in my art class in college. I was the only art student. So I was the only one there. And yeah, she gave me a crown because, yeah, because I was there and I refused to move, even though there was more teachers and students, the the art department could carry on. So she gave me a crown for it. And then. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, things like that. It's just certain things that, you know, just don't feel right to bring up with certain people. I mean, in my room, they're all there. Because, I mean, they're in my room anyway. And that, my room's basically like a portrait of myself again. Mm. But that's more of a real it's like your thing. space. That's your space. Yeah, it's, where exactly. you're pre- pretty much going to be and stuff. It's where, like, actual me probably is. Like, mm. I mean, if, if I turn my camera around now, you'll probably see actual me. It's like a just a mess with like empty cups everywhere and like (laughs) but like you know there's no point hiding anything in my portrait at that point because i mean you're seeing like the ugly side oh you say ugly but the real side of me like the one that is a bit of a slob and like stuff like that but like it was really interesting just like dive into how i react to the environment around me and how much the actual environment has on me i mean again if uh, if i was in an empty room and i had the box i probably wouldn't have a lot of stuff in my box because I, I already feel exposed and i'm exposing myself again it, it just made it really interesting like design of a space kind of manipulates people into behaving a certain way my closest friend was there and i was still in an open room i probably wouldn't show as much stuff as if i was in like my room with them even though it's like there's nothing really changed that much it, just, it completely changes how I present myself. Maybe because you feel safer in your room, so you feel safer to show more. Yeah, well, I think so. It's like but if I you're mean, in an exposed, empty room, you're going to feel a little bit on edge. and I feel like people are watching you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, there was another section about home and house, and, like, how does a home, like, a house become a home? Mm. Like, at what point does that actually happen? And, like, how is that connected? Like, so, I mean, a lot of it's memory-based, again, and things like that. And, like, environment, like, how familiar you are with everything. Mm. But it was really difficult to, like, try and explain, like, how a house becomes a home. Because it's just, like, a feeling, isn't it? It's just, like, So what kind of um, conclusion did you come to in your dissertation? Um, What was the overall outcome or thought or conclusion it's not it's not the most like optimistic look of it but like it was like um how i started questioning like free will and if you actually have decision over yourself if you are so affected by the environment around you and like you know the amount of factors that happen and the way that spaces are designed like 
am am I actually am I actually making these decisions or am I making a decision that the person that designed the house wanted me to make? And it's right. like um, Yeah, free will. Like it's just if the world is designed, then how could I make my own decisions if there is already an intent? Like for me, I mean in architecture, like in architecture class, you're told like, okay, the room should be arranged in a specific way to make sure that people know where they're going. And like even certain things like curves in a building kind of, so if you have a curve like going inwards like this, it kind of encourages people like, you know, they get a bit curious about what's on the other side. So they kind of just like follow the flow of the building and like, you know, how much of that is your choice and how much is that is you just like kind of, not like obeying, but like kind of following this decision. It's yeah. designed that way. a specific way to like make you make that decision. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of scary to think about, to be fair. Yeah. Like, that, that like free will might not actually be real. But I mean, it's just to say that, you know, some, I mean, maybe the guy that designed it was lazy and just didn't really care about the design. <laughs> and like, I mean, that's likely. But there's always that thought that, like, you kind of, yeah. There was a lyric on a Frank Ocean song that, like, it was like, you're, you're just living in a, an idea of another man's mind. Someone already thought that you were going to do exactly what you were going to do, or at least intended that you were going to do those things. It's just crazy to wrap your head around the fact that someone already, like, they were expecting you to make this decision. And, like, that's exactly what happened. That, I mean, this all ties back to, like, design and the way that people like get manipulated by design i mean i think designers should be more aware that their decisions in it definitely affect people way way into the future like more than they're thinking but ian huxley's idea of mind control or like memory they don't call it mind control they call it memory control but um it basically it have these people would be born and they were taught what things they dislike and like so i think one of them there's whole like different classes of people and things there's one where like a rose and like um they'd play like a loud noise whatever every time like these babies would smell a rose or something and like they play a loud noise and eventually they'd get scared of roses or dislike them so mm. much so they'd control memory through comfort so the idea that they'd get so many things like off the table for someone because they were like scared as a child or like they'd have they'd make it so inconvenient for you to find what's actually like real they'd like put so much information out there like so much like it takes so long for you to actually get to the truth that it's easier to just like sit back and just you know chill out and um george Or's, george orwell is more like well known but his was just like classic like scaring people so like it, they'd have a system of like snitching so like if someone was even thinking about like searching for like reality then everyone else would like snitch on them and they'd get a reward and like because if if someone was found out to be snitching then everyone they'd associate with would uh, also go also disappear yeah it was just like this whole idea of if memory can be manipulated then what is real like if someone can implant a memory or i can implant a memory in my own head yeah then what actually happened in the past like even with the like girl on holiday with spilling the drink over her mum's yeah, exactly. Gave earlier. It's, it's, not, it's not. It didn't even seem that hard either. Like it's literally no. just like 
if you find a vague enough memory in the back of your head and you just say something with confidence, then you could probably make someone at least slightly believe something that you you've That's said. Crazy. It's like deja vu. What's the what's the like relation with deja vu then and phenomenology? Because they're very yeah. interlinked in a way. They they feel they feel like it. They feel I mean, like it. Vu. I mean, deja vu. Is deja vu like? I'm not really sure where it is. I'm guessing it's, it's like, more like you know you felt like someone has like you felt like you've been in a certain situation it. before, yeah. So really I, weird feeling, and you get it out it the blue weird. sometimes. Don't they say it's something to do with like dreams, like how you associate like in your dreams, like they combine everything that you've had like experience during the, the week, day, yeah, like or like during the week, week or the day or whatever you dream about those things. But it's like in a different yeah. weird way. Oh, that was such a good chat. Oh my god, that's going to keep me up at night, and it's like that's just the shower thoughts are going to be mad. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. The shower thoughts are going to be... No, they're going to be showering, the shower thoughts. They they are. Yeah, they are. No, that was so interesting. Like, honestly, I I love learning, especially when it's outside of school, because you can just go in depth to what you want, not just because, not just what, you know, a syllabus says. So I'm definitely going to research more about this and I'll link absolutely, you know, all the books that you've mentioned. And I'll link your dissertation as well, the description, if anyone wants to have a read. But please don't plagiarise, because that's illegal. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on to Been There Done Chat. Thanks for reaching out to me. No problem. That meant meant so much. You wrote such a lovely email to me saying you wanted to come on. There's one quote, like, um, I heard this a few days ago by, like, Andy Warhol. I don't know if it actually has any meaning to anyone else, but this it, it just really hit me. It was like, wow, this is like... I think this was after he got... Well, actually, I don't know if that makes any sense. He got shot. He got. He was assassinated. But, oh. like, um, I mean, this... Apparently, this quote was um, after he got shot, so I don't know how he died then. But, like, his perspective on life... He was talking about how it relates to TV and how it's, like... Like, how real life doesn't feel as real as TV... I'll read the quote's quite long, but it was uh, I always thought I was more half there than all there. I always suspected I was watching television instead of living my life. People sometimes say that the way things happen in movies is unreal, but actually, it's the way things happen in real life that's unreal. The movies make emotions look so strong and real, whereas when things really do happen to you, it's like watching television, you don't feel anything. Right when I was being shot. And ever since, I knew I was watching television. The channels switch, but the, it's all television. So what are the connotations of that quote, then? He was kind of describing how his real-life experience just didn't feel real to him. He felt It felt more real, like, watching a TV show because the emotions that he felt from the TV were more real than what he felt, like, in his everyday life. Like, he never really felt... Like the emotions he should when something happens to him, whether it's positive or negative, he never really felt those sort of things. Or maybe he didn't feel them as much as he thought he was told he should feel them. Like how like maybe he'd hang around with friends and like he wouldn't feel like the way he was told to, like he wouldn't feel as like full of joy or like as happy as he he was taught he should feel. And like you'd see on TV that all these people would have like you know, great time, like, I mean, like, friends or something, or, like, something like that, they'd have, like, these crazy, like, emotional moments and things like that, like, 
the laughs felt more real and like even though even though it's more fake mm. like, the emotions didn't feel as real or, or like the emotions of real life didn't feel as real as they did in like a tv show is it because you're so fully immersed in a show or a movie when you're watching like you're fully engaged that's the thing you're s- focusing on so strictly like you're not really thinking of anything else and whereas in day-to-day life you're not you don't have that high of an attention to detail or engagement and things you just kind of go about your life whereas that you're forced to kind of sit down and watch something and that's why maybe the emotions feel a little bit more heightened and empathy comes in as well because you know you're associating those emotions with other people i don't know well i i would i think that it's like how you know an artist would make this like kind of just a better version of reality like like tv or like a film is kind of like this kind of idealized version of what actually happened but like you know emotions there's no one trying to shield themselves from like emotion or anything like that and like everyone's just being there it's, it's weird saying real about fictional characters but like you know that they, they don't have like these i don't know if they're insecurities or what like feeling inferior or i i don't really know how to like explain it but it feels like art feels more alive than what being alive feels like at least to him i mean yeah just the whole thing about like the tv like he talk about i watch this guy talk about like what and like um he talk about how he'd be sitting i think he was kind of a recluse he just like sit in his room all day and then finally he'd come out just before covid and covid hit and they realized what he had and they all all went but when he was in the room with his friends and they were watching a tv show it kind of just like it's really hard to i feel like i have these moments as well but like you feel like you're not actually here you just feel like you're watching someone else live like a, a life. disassociation from your body kind of but like you know, he'd see, he'd look at the TV and see like a, I think he did, like he was like, oh, I saw an advert, and then like a, a generic like reality TV show, and then he'd like turn to his friends and he'd just see like it's just the same thing, oh my like he just goes the same thing. And I was like, wow, that that is like actually, like I, away. I was like, yeah. that's, kind of, that's I've never thought of it like that, and it was just like that is just insane. That's so that's such a cool way to think about it, and I was like. I don't know, I just felt like I had to say that because I was just like, wow. That, no, that is. It, it just left me like, I was just like silent for like, I was silent for a while. I was just like, wow, just digesting it. It's like. Yeah, I think I might need a minute. I can't lie. Yeah. <laughs> just sit here and just think about it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a minute silence. <laughs> Gosh, that was definitely a thought-provoking discussion. Oh my God. I learned so much and now my brain is all frazzled. It's crazy. I don't even. I'm, I'm so like in shock right now. I don't even know how to like end this. Like, this is bad. Read up on the uh, phenomenology and all that. I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, but yeah, like I said, everything's in the description. Um, thank you so much for like offering to you know give your dissertation as well for people to read. Like, that's really kind of you and everything. Yeah. To everyone listening, I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Ha <laughs>